My name is Abdil Leroy. Author, poet, narrator, voice actor, all-round creative genius. I have a question for you. W.H. Auden wrote, For poetry makes nothing happen. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I'm going to tell you what I think next week, but if you have any thoughts on that, you can send a message to me at poetprofit.com slash contact, where profits spelt P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Remember, too, that I'm going to finish every episode by telling you about a book giveaway for the following Friday. I don't have any new political poems this week from the Verses Verses Empire series. Get it? It's a homonym. So I'm going to go straight in with another excerpt from Elijah. This is from book five, where he's heading back to Israel, and he calls for a showdown on Mount Carmel with the false prophets of Baal. All day I travelled, and much of the night. The next day, as I neared Samaria, I saw, coming toward me from the south, a cloud of dust, for riders were approaching. I clambered up a hillside and took cover before I could be seen. To my relief, I realised that the man leading this group was Obadiah, though in Ahab's service he was a righteous man. When Jezebel was murdering the prophets of Yahweh, he hid a hundred of them in two caves. I came down from my hiding place, at which he saw me, stopped, and fell down at my feet. He asked, Can it be you, my lord Elijah? Yes, I replied, and bid him stand again. He told me he'd been sent to search the land for pasture, all the springs and all the valleys, to keep the king's horses and mules alive. Ah, yes, of Obadiah angels know, who even while wearing his governor's mask concealed the seers from their spiteful foe. Heaven acknowledges his dangerous task, says Abdil. This was my chance to ask. Elijah adds, that he let Ahab know that I would wait there for the king to show. But Obadiah was not keen. He asked, What have I done that you'd put me to death? Ahab has hunted you in every nation, made every kingdom swear to give you up, and you want me to go to him and say, Elijah's here? I know what's going to happen. As soon as I have gone, you'll disappear. The Spirit of God will carry you away, and when King Ahab cannot find you, I will pay the penalty. Fear not, I said. As God Almighty lives, I'll show myself this day to Ahab. So he turned around. I waited by the road, and before long King Ahab mounted at a gallop came with several men. So, there you are, he said. Traveller of Israel! This pissed me off. It's you, I said. You and your father's house who've earned that title. You have followed Baal. You have forsaken God's commandments. You! The king seemed shocked. His soldiers poised to strike. But I pressed on, the fierceness of my ire proof against fear. If you want to help Israel and reign to fall again, 
summon the people to Mount Carmel and all those so-called prophets, the 450 serving Baal and the 400 serving Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table, summon them. Abdiel chuckles. This is not the way subjects address their kings. But you are not subject to any man. You do not play the games of court, nor do you worry what men think of you. And Ahab had a lot to lose. You'd stopped the rain, and only you could make the waters fall to earth anew. I saw he was conflicted in his thoughts. Fear for himself, his kingdom, all he owned, vying with anger written in his eyes. Is this how you serve God? he said. To parch his people, scourge his land? His land? I said. His land? Why don't you honour it as such? Spilling the blood of human sacrifice, you have defiled and desecrated it with Baal's pollution. The Lord's prophets tried to warn you, but you didn't listen. If you'd heeded, there would be no drought. Instead, you've hunted, persecuted, murdered them. His land indeed. More mutual glaring followed. Tell me, Elijah, what you have in mind, he said, that I should bring the people and those prophets to Mount Carmel. I replied, the 450 serving Baal and the 400 serving Asherah. I know, Ahab said wearily, but why? I didn't want to say too much that might forewarn my enemies of what I'd planned, so gave Ahab a vague answer. Because God has a message for them all. Besides, if you do not, the drought will still continue. Ahab pondered a moment, bit his lip. All right, he said with an ironic tone. No doubt you will be very entertaining. I'll send out messengers to all the people and make sure Israel's leaders are assembled. I'm looking forward to being there myself. We set a date several days hence, and Ahab, in deep vexation, went back to the city. Meanwhile, I laid low, staying with Micaiah, a fellow prophet and like-minded friend. The night before the contest, he and I went to Mount Carmel and stayed in that cave where I had had that vision. Then at dawn we made our way to the appointed place, a level area of which one side falls to a deep gully. The other sides are gentle slopes where many had assembled already, seeking better vantage points. Close to the centre were the ruins of an altar once devoted to the Lord, since torn down in the reign of Jezebel. Near to it, the profane altar of Baal stood in defilement of the land. During the following hour or two, more people came, till a great crowd was pressing on the scene. A retinue of court officials held the prime location, till Ahab himself, with little ceremony, joined their ranks. On the adjacent slope across from us, the false prophets of Baal, by their demeanour, loud laughter, glances, gestures, winks, appeared to mock us. Ahab seemed light-hearted too, joking among his fawning entourage, but stealing glances at his thronging subjects and me with anxious gnawing of his lip. After a while, he stepped into the clearing. People of Israel, he called, three years has drought ravaged our land. 
It was Elijah who brought this tragedy on us. A murmur arose among the crowd, and I could sense their eyes staring at me in rage or wonder. But he's come out of it all right, Ahab went on, dripping with irony. I heard he took up with a whore in Sidon. This had the desired effect, laughing and jeering, while the false prophets made obscene gestures. My anger at this lie was tempered by the opportunity for a great comeback to this fool of a king. Ahab went on. And having been in hiding all this time, living it up abroad while you were starving, the mighty prophet hath returned and says, King Ahab, let us have a meeting. Yahweh has something that he wants to say. Tell us, Elijah, what is it? What's so important that you would summon all of Israel and drag Baal's prophets from their cosy temples? Consummate politician that he is, he carefully avoided taking sides. So satisfied, he jauntily returned to his royal gathering, where, with smiles and nods, congratulation greeted him. With that, I took a deep breath, strode out, and began. Elijah stands now to enact this scene, for Abdiel, his audience, although we may suppose that witnesses unseen are also here to hear him undergo the replay, much as children, though they know the outcome of a story, clamour for retelling of a favourite heard before. People of Israel, you have heard your king blaming this country's woes on prophecy, not policy. But it is policy that hath so angered God. King Ahab also quotes rumour as to where I've been these years, saying I took up with a Sidon whore. Why would I? Do we not in Israel have Sidon whores enough? The crowd erupted at this allusion to Queen Jezebel, with cheering, whistling, hoots and boos, depending on whose side people stood. But I could sense the rage of Ahab and his court. I raised my arms to call for silence and continued. How long, O Israel, will you, like drunkards, stagger between irreconcilable opinions, neither hot or cold for Yahweh, your one true God who led you out of Egypt? If God be God, then follow him. If Baal, the idol of a foreign queen, be God, then follow him. Lost sheep they answered not, but looked on in confusion. Very well, I called. I stand alone, last of God's prophets, one man opposing several hundred men. Seek out two bulls for us. Baal's prophets choose one for themselves first, cut it into pieces and put it on the wood. Do not set fire to it, but call on Baal to send down fire. Then I'll prepare the other bull and call on Yahweh's name. The God who sends down fire is God. This met with the people's approval. I noticed then, glancing at the false prophets, some nervousness beneath Bravado's cheek. 
A chorus started up, chanting my name. I raised my hands again for quiet and said to the prophets of Baal, Choose then your bull, prepare it for the usual sacrifice, call on your god, but do not light the fire. I then withdrew to the arena's edge, sat on the ground to witness their attempt. The prophet here suits action to his word and sits, according to his motivation, spontaneous instinct that his heart has heard, a gifted actor following inclination. He even includes vocal imitation inhabiting the characters he plays. In him, the minstrel's art is on display. But henceforth, you, dear reader, are accorded discretion to envisage as auteur, playing with your fancies on the word reported, our animated pair of raconteurs inhabit each his placement. You infer, and rather than this blocking telegraph, I'll mostly let your mind's eye choreograph. The false prophets had bulls for sacrifice, of course, selected two fine specimens and killed their chosen animal with sword and axe, while others put wood on their altar. When all was ready and the meat laid out, one of the leaders improvised a prayer to Baal. Unversed in making a request to call down fire, he hesitantly fumbled to find the words. Some in the crowd began to laugh and jeer, at which his fiendish fellows, eager to save face, started crying out in muddled mayhem of cacophony, Baal, answer us! Baal, send down fire! And so on. From morning until noon they cried to him, threw dust over themselves and danced around the altar to exhaustion. Louder! Louder! I taunted them. He cannot hear! Perhaps he's deep in thought, taking a shit or sleeping. Wake him! They kept on shouting louder, whirling themselves into a trance. With swords and spears they cut themselves, until their blood ran down in ribbons. This reminded me, of course, of what I'd seen with Moses in that vision of all those bleeding snakes. By now the crowd had joined in with my taunts and mockery. I'm guessing, Abdiel, you saw all this. His eyes ablaze, the seraph answers, We angels were there to hurl down fire on cue, and even Michael, from whom devils flee, our warrior captain, was among the crew. Others, disguised, stood in the crowd for you. A cloud of witnesses were there on hand to see Bell's downfall as you took your stand. Then, as you know, by evening sacrifice, drained and exhausted, they gave up their bid. This was my time to strike. You saw me stride into the clearing, call the people forward. I took twelve stones for each of Israel's tribes, repaired the altar of the Lord. I dug a trench around it, then arranged the wood, and with Micaiah killed the other bull, the pieces of which we placed on the altar. I called then for four jars of water emptied onto the offering and the wood. Three times these jars were poured out till the trench was filled and could contain no more. Then I declared, Lord God of Israel, Abraham and Isaac, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel that I am your servant 
and that I have done all this at your command. Lord, answer me, that all the people know that you are God and have turned back their hearts. And when he heard thy prayer, the angel band was summoned and arrayed. Let me relate what followed. Abdiel says, At God's command that sent his legions forth from heaven's gate, and doomed Baal's henchmen to their destined date, and how a fervent heart by spirit stirred, through mortal tongue can speak prophetic word. Say on, celestial warrior, for I beheld my prayer's effect, not knowing how it came about. The man replies, Thy cry, as incense burned before the throne where bow the elders, Abdiel says, and there avow their worship. When you called upon the Lord, his voice through all the universes roared. He thundered in the heavens. At his call, ten thousand trumpets. <laughs> So, Elijah, why did I write it? The first reason is I'm fascinated by the power of this prophet. He takes on the authorities of the day, he commands the elements, he calls down fire from heaven, he goes up to heaven in a chariot of fire, but also by his human frailties because at the beginning of the story he's just had a death threat issued against him by Jezebel. He flees into the desert, he collapses under a tree and he prays to God for his own death. Another reason is that I love epic poetry. And in case you didn't realize it, what I just shared was all in the form of poetry. I've written Elijah's entire story as a poem. I'm inspired by Homer, Virgil, Ovid, Shakespeare, and especially by John Milton and his epic poem, Paradise Lost. And it's from Paradise Lost that I got my name. Abdiel is a great seraph angel and I'm so inspired by his role in Paradise Lost that I changed my own name to his and gave him recurring roles in my own epic poems, Elijah and Obama's Dream. So I didn't name a character after myself. I named myself after the character. So before I go, the book giveaway for this Friday is The Gourmet Gospel, which you can get at Amazon or wherever ebooks are sold. It's a kind of love letter to the grace of God where grace means the free and unmerited favour of God. May it bless you. OK, until next week, this has been Abdiel Leroy. <laughs>